You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. Welcome to Primary Care Cures. In the show today, we're going to learn the traditional answer to burnout involves three C's, complexity, counseling, cooperation of docs. My answer is completely different. The root cause of primary care burnout and PCPs represents four out of the top six specialists that are um, measured every year. And in the end, it's all about take-home pay. Financial and mental well-being are a Gordian knot they are braided together very tightly. You may be too far gone, but most would agree that if they can double or triple their take home, but add little or no work hours in addition to what they're currently working or additional patient volume, well, that's a very interesting proposition to consider. If a family practice doc can match the take home of a dermatologist or even a cardiologist with little or no extra work, no cash outlay, Hey, folks, these are not fantasies. These are PCPs doing this within your city right now, maybe within a few miles away. They're probably using ancillaries or direct primary care model. Those are the two ways out to fix a bad model. So primary care has the distinct advantage over every other type of physician in that you guys can offer tests and treatments, procedures that patients will not only appreciate, but it's within your scope of practice. So you're not going to get headaches from the insurance companies and it's all reimbursable. In fact, there's 20 different verticals that you can add into your practice. They're backed by medical necessity. So you're not going, you're going to get hassled, but you will have good records to protect yourself from the inevitable chargebacks and audits. But if you think patient convenience, if you think specialist workups that you're sending out right now, you keep them in, you hire for those people like our guests today. I know of 20, as I said, you could be better off with. These guys offer five. You'll meet most of these 20 ancillary offerings in the show ahead. PCPs are offering them too, so you meet doctors that are using these services. My favorite doc nets seven figures. That's seven figures, which means a million with an M. And he nets those seven figures by adding 12 different ancillaries. I've stayed many, many, many hours after in his practice and he just retired last year at age 54 years old. And he's spending a lot of time on beaches, uh, sold his practice for quite a multiple because his EBITDA was, as I said, uh, over a million dollars. So what's really driving burnout? Well, EHR mandates are supposed to be the culprit. And maybe you can get around that by hiring a scribe for 20 bucks an hour, but not if you're a PCP, you can't afford that because that might be your entire profit for the hour. If factory medicine is a driving factor for burnout, you can now see less patients daily if you add ancillaries and spend more time with your patient. Volume no longer drives you or owns you. <clears throat> if debt is crushing you, pay it down now. What a difference I've seen that make in my clients' lives, and I think our guests can echo that. 
If a feeling of not being valued exists, step up your take home and I promise you that feeling will just melt away. It costs you nothing if you hire folks like Chris Light. Burnout is mostly caused by something no survey ever measures, a very, very bad business model that's been corrected with ancillaries. Recurring revenue, good model. Selling a wider service offering, good model. Add one of those 20 ancillaries and we'll be making you aware of. You will do two things. Overnight, you'll add recurring revenue, you'll widen your offering, so bye-bye, bad model. Here to talk about business models and primary care and his solutions, my new friend, Chris Light, the EVP and co-founder of Principal Health Systems, an ancillary services provider with several hundred employees nationwide. Principal is one of the few good guys out there. They're outcome-focused, they're patient-centric, they're missionaries, they're smart people. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Ron. Thanks for having me. Good. Hey, I've got a few questions for you, Chris. What was the problem you guys were trying to solve when you created Principal? I would say the number one problem we're seeking to solve uh, is bringing healthcare to the patient. Um, so whether that be through one of our pharmacy services that brings medication directly to the patient without them having to wait in line at a pharmacy after surgery, um, we attempt to get them the medication prior to surgery. Um, we, we have a mobile phlebotomy team for labs, so we either draw labs in the office or at the patient's homes. Um, our DME line of businesses, um, we actually deploy nurses to house calls. So we're trying, in a, a, our attempt is to bring the healthcare to the patient as opposed to the patient having to come to us. So basically we're talking a serious convenience factor that you're adding to the doctor's practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's now talk about the specific service you're offering the physician and what type of physician is this going to apply to? So we, we have a handful of ancillary services. Um, so we do laboratory, we do uh, DME, we do uh, mobile diagnostics for EMGs and muscle testing, um, and then we have a pharmacy. So ultimately, there's not a whole lot of providers that are unable to work with us. Um, we focus primarily on musculoskeletal and general medicine doctors. Um, so family practice, geriatrics, general practitioners. Okay, this is a tricky question because you're talking about different size practices, but if you have a typical two white coat practice, you lay in these four solutions you talked about, what type of revenue range are you looking at? Is the doctor looking at 2000 a month, 10000 a month, somewhere in between, somewhere more? So let's just say they add all four. What's going to happen at a typical practice? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have a revenue range per se they would make. It would ultimately depend on uh, the different services they chose and, and how they, how, what services of those are billable. Um, some of the stuff we do is, is more from a time cutting. Uh, so where we will parlay, lab results with pharmacy results because we have both of those internally. Um, so we can help share data that, that the physician otherwise would have kind of like from a big health system scale that you would have at a hospital, but not on a, you know, just a, a specific two code practice. Um, but obviously from a DME standpoint, DME services are billable um, underneath the physician practice. And so depending on what type of bracing that you may be using, uh, braces can range in, in revenue dollars from $100 to about eight or $900 per brace. Well, technically, we have one that goes up to $2,000, um, but it's probably not going to be prescribed in a family practice. But it just depends on the, on the services you're using. And then when you look at, from a laboratory standpoint, 
um, there are certain tests that a lot of physicians will build in their office without having to build out an entire laboratory. They can have what's called a CLIA-waved lab. Um, so to give you just a, a small sample of an example, um, you can have a toxicology cup that there's a two-portion test. You'll do a screen and a confirmation. The physician can take the screen portion of the test, build that in their office, and then ship it off to someone like us um, to do the confirmation, and, and that will net them you know, $20, $30 per patient. Uh, do you have a full-time staffer in there to drive these ancillaries, or is the doctor responsible for his own self-referral? Yeah, so we, what, part of our model, again, is to bring healthcare to the patient. So, for instance, with the laboratory, um, if, we're, if we're working together on blood, um, if we're doing your, your phlebotomy draws, we oftentimes will deploy the phlebotomist to have that in the office um, to work in conjunction with the physician staff for laboratory-related matters, obviously. Um, so for DME, we deploy, uh, usually it's a nurse uh, to do the fittings so that the staff does not have to do that. Um, and then for, uh, for diagnostics, we're sending board-certified techs. Um, so we're deploying those folks into the physician office uh, in order so that the, it's not a burden on the, on the actual physician. Yeah. And the doctor doesn't have to spend a dime on the front end or ongoing costs to keep this going. It's all on you guys. Correct. Yeah, we carry the burden of all of the all the carrying costs and the and the employment costs uh, and, and everything like that. So yeah, there's no cost associated to the doctor to work with us. So you and I are in the same business, Chris. I just do allergy, but my number one reason I have to tell people no is because they don't have no space for me. I need an exam room. You know, got HIPAA. I need an exam room now. I can't wait for it. Do you have the same exact problem? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, for instance, with our with with our mobile diagnostics platform, I mean, we're we're doing a procedure on the patient. Um, so usually, uh, if that's if if you have a very busy clinic, they'll say, "I just don't have room to give you to do it," <laughs> um, which which creates a quality problem for the physician. I would say um, that you're so busy that you're out of space, but also a a problem for us because we can't deploy our services. So yeah, absolutely. That that's an issue that we come up with. If I had a son or daughter that was getting into medicine, and seventy percent of physicians today are not recommending that profession for their own kids, can you believe that? But I would say, whatever amount of space you think you need in primary care, just double it, because you can fill that space with so many good ancillaries that are bottom line oriented, outcomes focused, patient convenient. <clears throat> they will drop a lot to your bottom line. Add a lot of great services. And the trick is really finding guys like you that are honest brokers, like you, Chris. You guys are really after patient outcomes way before the dollars, the dollars, the dollars. Those kind of guys are missionaries. They're a different animal. You're trying to do the right thing by the doctor. You and I have both met a lot of guys in our business that aren't. They're all about money, 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 and they don't really talk much about outcomes or quality results. They have a whole different lens, a whole different purpose for living. Uh, but you guys, I consider one of the good guys. You're in every state in the country. You're all across the country. We don't do business in every state. Um, we're in currently, uh, we're in about six states currently. What are your biggest challenges as the number two in the company to continue to get the model out there and grow it? Um, from a challenge standpoint, I think, I mean, we're experiencing rapid growth. Uh, we grew, our company grew 250% last year. Um, so from a challenge standpoint, it's, 
I would say, honestly, it's more an internal infrastructure challenge for us. Um, uh, if you've been, and I know your background, Ron, you've been in a lot of rapid growing companies. Um, most uh, people who have not been on the back end of managing a company infrastructurally and financially uh, don't always understand that growth is incredibly expensive. <laughs> um, so when you're when you're growing at a rapid clip, that's been our most uh, that's our biggest challenge. Um, in general, we're not having an issue um, sitting down with physicians and bringing them um, great services. Um, so that's not. I mean, obviously, would you want more? Sure. Um, but I, I would say we're we're pretty happy with the growth to the fact where we are are having to deal with um, banks and 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 even private equity. Uh, venture capital to, to, if we want to continue the hockey stick growth curve that we're on, um, just because we're, we're growing at such a rapid clip. Um, so that, I would say that's our largest challenge, but I did want to mention also just to go back on, uh, you had mentioned that there are, there are a lot of people in our business that are out there for money. Um, and, and we are really trying to drive what we consider. We, we, our, our motto is, is, uh, precision medicine, personalized service. Um, and so, what we're trying to do is marry a host of ancillary products from a quote unquote hospital style system. Um, you and I have talked in the past and we know that the independent physician is, is a dying breed. Um, and so what we try to do is bring hospital related ancillaries um, as well as the data analytics. So one of the things I mentioned was we're marrying results of, hey, you ordered a genetic test from us that says this, but you're writing this prescription that's not exactly conducive. Um, so the independent, uh, the independent family physician can do that. It just takes a lot more time. And so what we're trying to do is, is create algorithms in our softwares from a data standpoint to actually kick that out to the physician in real time so that they don't have to rely on themselves or a nurse practitioner mid-level or an MA even if you're trying to see four or five patients an hour um, to pick up on these things. Um, so yeah, we absolutely care. We absolutely care about the quality of the medicine being being de delivered to patients, and 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 to follow up on that, I think we're one of the few people out there um, that we actually tell pay tell tell physicians to order less. Uh, we have a we have a, a huge screening process, what we call our verification team, when orders come in, um, and we're we're constantly looking at medical necessity and and advising physicians like, hey. It, these tests that you want to order, that's all great. We obviously make money on tests, right? That's how our business generates income. But on the same token, if you don't have proper supporting diagnosis for what you're ordering, what really results is that insurance companies don't like that at all. And then ultimately the patient ends up putting the majority of that bill. So we try to educate uh, our, our, our physician customers um, on, on medical necessity on an ongoing basis. And that, to be honest, that changes from insurance company to insurance company. What Blue Cross Blue Shield allows, Aetna may not and vice versa, um, or Medicare. So um, it's, it's, it's a moving target. It's something we're trying to help physicians with. In my opening, Chris, I talked about bad business models. I think about the independents that are dying off. It's due mostly to this bad business model they've inherited first and foremost. So it's like location, location, location. If they had the opportunity to have a recurring revenue, recurring revenue, recurring revenue and expand services, they wouldn't be having to be forced to be bought out. <clears throat> and they're being bought out for nothing, essentially. That didn't used to be the case. They wouldn't be forced to chase volume, chase factory medicine, 
work their buns off for very little pay. Instead, they would be able to have a little oxygen, relax a bit, and do the right thing by their practice and by their patients. It just frustrates me when I started in 2009, two-thirds of all PCPs were independent, a third corporate. It's exactly flipped in the last 10 years. I mean, 2019 is going to mark the first year that we have less than a third, probably. It's all an unnecessary freight train, slow motion crash. It's like when I see allergy patients suffering needlessly, it's like when we have a solution, guys. It works 110% of the time. Get this medication, your life will be better. Get ancillaries, your life will be better. It's the same for doctors suffering. I see burnout. I have four good friends that are burned out from every age you can imagine, 28 to 68. I can see it. You can smell it when you walk in the clinic. <clears throat> they stop talking to reps. They stop talking to their staff. One of them stopped talking to his wife, worked in the practice with him. Had he added more ancillaries, he would have pretty much had all of that go away. There's really no solution better than adding revenues that are also valued services and medical necessity with medical necessity that will solve the problems of a bad business model. Do you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, we could probably spend days and hours on the healthcare system as <laughs> from a macro level. Um, I think we would just need to get comfortable and go on vacation together to talk about that. Um, and there'll be a lot of late nights and early mornings, but, uh, yeah, I think in general, the, the independent physician today has to be savvy. Um, we talk about it all the time. They're not, um, there's no medical school to my knowledge. I'm sure at some point there's somebody at this point, maybe a little progressive, but with the physicians that we're typically dealing with day to day, there's no medical school offering classes on, on small business and what the independent physician runs is a small business. And so at the end of the day, a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but you have to make sure the lights turn on. And, and if you're going to pay a quarter million plus for school and go in debt, you don't really want to earn 80 or $90,000 a year. Um, and I, I, I don't know the exact figure, but I think family practice continues to fall. It's like what, 130 grand. You would probably know better than I. Yeah. I mean, you have to be savvy to, uh, to manage what, you know, to manage your business. And so a lot of people, don't realize for solutions like yours per se, or we have solutions where we come in and we'll bring a musculoskeletal uh, solution to a, to a general practitioner to who would otherwise send these patients out the door, which I know is some is very in line with your model. Um, where it's like, Hey, you could send us to a specialist or we can partner together and we can treat these patients and you can keep some of that in the house. Um, and, and I think the independent physician has to be savvy of that. Um, and I also don't think they can cast their net too wide. I don't think you can be everything to everyone. And I, I do think it's very important to refer to specialists when, when needed. Um, but there's a lot of screening, um, and, and initial treatment and that can be done at the point of care or primary care, um, before we have to go a million different places. And I think, uh, the independent physician needs to be very cognizant of that if they want to survive today in this day and age. One of the questions I like to ask is, what is your message to everybody in a sentence? And what would you be reading? I would say there's there's plenty of books. I don't know if, it, if they're necessarily physician-like medical-related books, um, but I think as an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur myself, and, and so are you, uh, I think there's plenty of books of, of how to run, uh, how to run a well oil business, you know, and, and one of them that I'll point out um, is something that I that I think, let's face it, the physicians are in 
the independent physician is in the service business, right? We're servicing patients who are sick. Um, and so one of my favorite books is, is Delivering Happiness. Um, it's written by the founder of, of Zappos. Um, and it's really a customer service book. And I can tell you, um, we personally um, uh, manage a physician practice in Houston. And, and it's one of the things we're looking, this is a very a, a new venture for us, but we're looking at how we can kind of change the face of that. And, and I think one of the biggest faults of, of medicine is that customer service is almost like a secondary thought. I mean, I don't know how many times you've been to the doctor where you wait in line, not wait in line, but you wait in, wait in the waiting room for, for an hour or two. I've been in the waiting room for three hours before, before you get seen past your appointment time. And, and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of docs who are doing a good job at this. And I would argue that those are the same docs that are doing a good job in their practice as a whole and financially. Um, but it's not something that's typically thought about, again, not taught in medical school, um, is that you're running a small business and customer service is a large part of that. Um, and happy patients bring more patients, that's free advertising. Um, so delivering happiness, uh, the, the author is Tony Shea. He's the founder of Zappos, which was, uh, which was uh, taken, not taken over, but ultimately uh, acquired by Amazon. So I've, I've toured Zappos. They, they allow people to come in. It's a, they have a very interesting, unique uh, spin on customer service, and the book is called Delivering Happiness. So to find you, Chris Light, I'm going to go to principalhealthsystems.com, systems with an S, dot com. And principal, not spelled like the high school principal, but P-L-E, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E, principalhealthsystems.com. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's principalhs.com. Got it. Okay, and if I want to reach Chris Light directly because I want to talk to you, the man, how do I connect with you, Chris? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and then as well, I can give my email address. It's C as in cat, L-I-G-H-T, like a light bulb, Chris C light at principalhs.com. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.